You are tuning in to On The Money with Dynamic Funds, a podcast series that delivers access to some of the industry's most experienced active managers and thought leaders. We're sitting down to ask them the pertinent questions to find out their insights on the market environment and navigating the investment landscape. Welcome to another edition of On The Money. I'm your host, Mark Brisley. Now, even though our title for today, Emotional Investing Rescue, may have had you thinking of the chart-topping 1980 release by the Rolling Stones, my guest is not here to be our savior, steadfast and true, but he is well-suited to share some perspectives on the emotional aspects of investing and being an investor in emotional times. Jason Gibbs, Portfolio Manager here at Dynamic Funds, joined our firm in 2000 and is a founding member of our equity income team. We've built a successful track record managing or co-managing North American and infrastructure equity mandates that total over $18 billion in assets under management across various platforms. In addition to being a portfolio manager, by trade, Jason is a chartered accountant, as well as a chartered financial analyst charter holder. But most importantly, Jason is a passionate advocate for investor education and the less discussed non-tangible elements of investing, which will be our focus today. Jason, it's great to have you here. And Thank you for indulging my trip to squeeze in some classic rock lyrics. That's great. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right in. You know, the emotional side of investing does not often get a lot of attention in the media and in other platforms. So why is this such an important topic for investors? And obviously, the times we find ourselves in, that may seem like an obvious question, but in all times, it is under-discussed. It's one of the subjects that does not get enough airplay. Uh, when you read the daily news, they rarely talk about the emotions of investing. But I am I'm convinced that it's a difference between success and failure. And Mark, when I, when I think back at some of the best investors in history, you'll, you'll find that they tend to be stoic, relatively stoic. Um, they don't get too high on the highs of the market. They don't get too low on the lows of the market. They have a process, a discipline, and they tend to stick to them. Now, on the worst investors in history, who we won't name, but many of so I'm sure we'll know them. They were not emotionally uh, centered, let's, let's say. They may have uh, had all the degrees and whatnot, but they probably got too excited on the highs and maybe used leverage, margin, and margin debt, let's say. And, and on the lows of the market, uh, they, they tended to, to sell, which can be the worst thing you can do. So I, I always think about that, and I always go back to Warren Buffett, and, and one of his famous sayings is, investing is simple, but it's not easy. When you boil it down, what we're trying to do, uh, clients have savings and you want to invest for a longer term goal, whether that's retirement, maybe it's education, maybe it's a house, maybe it's financial independence. So that's what we're all trying to do. That's the goal. And when Buffett has said investing is simple, I think what he, he meant is when you look at history, when you look at data of the past, what has worked, it's pretty simple. You, you boil it down to you want to diversify, have, have a relative diversified earning stream. You want to start early and you want to invest in great businesses that have earnings, that they have cash flows. And most important, I think, is let the compounding be. It's one of the miracles of investing. It's one of the miracles of finance. And what that very simply means is if you have a great business today that has, let's say, $1 in earnings, as an example, if that compounds over time, 
uh, you'll, before you know it, in five, seven, 10, 15 years, that dollar could be three, four, or five, and now you have a, a lot more value. And now we get to the part about why is investing not easy? As Buffett says, well, often investors interrupt the compounding, often. And that's when you get into trouble, when you, when you sell these great businesses, as an example, and start interrupting the compounding. So maybe let's get into emotions, the part of investing that's not easy. And I always step back and say, look, we, we should be easy on ourselves. We are humans. Uh, none of us is like Spock in Star Trek where you have no emotions and you're 100% rational. So let's start off and be easy on ourselves. And humans, to be human is to have emotions. And that means sometimes we're, we're happy. Sometimes you wake up not as happy, maybe a little bit sad, sometimes uh, somewhat depressed or anxious. And there's other times when we are in a state of euphoria where we think nothing can ever go wrong. And that really is what it means to be human. So when I think about investing in emotions, uh, there's a few things to keep in mind. One, humans tend to be prone to anxiety. And when I think about that, at least, you got to remember that humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. And for us to survive, we always had to be on the lookout for threats. Well, if you think about the modern world that we've been in for maybe 100 or 200 years, that's really a speck of time on how much humans have been around. And therefore, the, the modern world um, can sometimes lead us to be anxious and, and uh, to always be looking out for what could go wrong. So in investing, we call that loss aversion and how, how that can harm you when it comes to your emotions. And that means that losses tend to hurt a lot more in our brains than, than gains. So we're just always on the lookout for, for losses and we, we have trouble tolerating losses, even though in the grand scheme of things, you're, you're going to have to tolerate some losses to be a successful investor. If you can't, you're just constantly going to be selling and, and interrupting the compounding. Next, Mark, when I, when I think about emotions and when it, when it comes to investing, humans are, are, are fairly tribal. We're, we're social beings, right? And again, that's how we've survived all, all of this time. Uh, we had to cooperate. We had to cooperate within groups. And that's, that means we're social. And, you know, even for introverts, the past couple of years with COVID has certainly proven to many, I think, that uh, when we lose that social, that, that's not good. And that causes a, a lot of damage. So we are social and we want to cooperate. Now, the problem is when, when you think about that, when it comes to investing, how that can harm you sometimes, it, it does sometimes lead to hurt behavior. So you see others, uh, let's say, who are making a lot of money on a speculative stock or, or something that you don't understand, then that kind of herd behavior can take over and, and some will just start paying whatever price possible to buy something because others are doing that. And that's kind of the FOMO fear of missing out. And that's when you're just going to pay way, way too much. And on the other hand, um, the problem can be when others are selling in a panic and you see that and it's, it's like, I'm going to be going to be part of that group and now I'm going to sell. And that's, that's often the worst thing to do. Finally, Mark, we can probably uh, finish it off by uh, talking about another issue, which is the human brain craves certainty. It craves order. 
we do not have a lot of, I don't know, patience is the right word, but a, a lot of patience for understanding the fact that the world is not a straight line. It is very random. It is very uncertain. But that's why we're always, our brains are always kind of searching for order. We, we want things to make sense and, and we, we don't like uncertainty. So the problem is when, when you look at the markets and, and, and you, you think about how that can cause damage, some will look at what happened to stocks, let's say this week or last week or last month. And, and they think that because of what happened last week or last month, they know what's going to happen next week and next month. So they tend to extrapolate the past into the future. And you can't do that because uh, the world is so, so random. You have to, you just have to accept that, um, that it's not a straight line and, and you can't use mathematical equations to figure out where markets are, are going to be tomorrow or next week. So when you add it all, all, all up, Mark, and we'll, we'll get, in, get into it on this podcast, uh, emotions can make or break your success. Uh, simple as that. You can know as much as, about the markets as, as you want, and, read, and you may have read all the books, but if you can't handle your emotions, you're just not going to be successful. You talked about compounding and understanding things. I think you and I both agree one of the areas in particular of importance to us both and that we think we could be doing a better job at is introducing kids, teenagers, school-age people to these concepts earlier and the education system doing a better job of making them aware of everything you've talked about, but also you know, the basic elements of, of investing and, and uh, managing finances. I 100% agree um, because it can make such a huge difference in a person's life. Um, because I think what we're, all, what we're all trying to get at, when it, at least when it comes to our finances, and generally in life is more freedom. And one of the ways you can get that is to get yourself to a point of financial independence in the future where, you know what, if, if, this, if a job isn't working for you, then you don't need it. You can go find another job or you, you, can, you can work on your own. That's a, that's a huge degree of financial independence. And to your point, it doesn't have to be complicated when when we're talking to children about finances, it's it, you just keep it simple and you, and you hope you, they remember some of the basics, which is start early, let the compounding be diversify and, and just don't watch it every year and have a good plan in place and you'll be in great shape as you get in your adult years. Jason, you're a professional investor, so you've seen a lot over a, a 20 plus year career, you know, traps that other professional investors fall into trying to keep yourself out of those traps. but what are some of you know the elements of that that you see investors in general falling into and why does it seem to be a cycle of making the same mistakes yeah it's incredible hey eh, mark as as we go through uh the past and uh as i look at my my past in the markets uh, you, you see the same things repeating time and time again but you know what as, as charlie munger says that's the beauty of books uh try not to make the mistakes that others have made you just learn learn a lot from books that's why someone like like Charlie Munger just reads books all day. Well, when I look at some of the, the common, common traps that uh, people can fall into, and I, do, I certainly do not pretend to be uh, perfect at this. You always have to watch yourself. Uh, I start with market timing. Every, every year that I've been an investor, there's always some who think they can time the market. And one of the problems is if, if you watch the news or the business news or newspapers or the internet, 
There's always someone who's selling something who will say with a great degree of confidence that they know what the market's going to do next week, tomorrow, or this year. And there's not too many things I'm 100% certain of, but I am pretty close to being 100% certain that market timing is impossible. I've never seen anyone do it correctly. Never. I mean, if you could, then people would sell the book and tell you, here's how to do it. And, and we wouldn't need anything in terms of financial advice. It's impossible to do, but it's a common, common trap that people can fall into. Uh, they'll, they'll read something or see something and they'll say, I'm out, I'm getting out of the market because something bad's going to happen. Or they'll put everything into the market at, at the wrong time because they, they think something's going to happen. So I would always uh, caution those who, who, get seduced by market timing, that the economy and earnings and stocks, the world of stocks is way too complicated to try and time. Because when you're trying to time, what you're really saying is that you know what the value of over 10,000 stocks will be <laughs> tomorrow, next week, or next year. And, and it's impossible. The economy is just simply far too, too complicated. So, so never get into never get into that trap is number one. Next thing I would mention in terms of a, a trap, Mark, is is the cycle of emotions and not understanding that. So maybe I'll, I'll step back a little bit and basically you kind of start out in despondency where nothing will ever get better. Uh, then it gets a little bit more optimistic as an emotion. Then you're getting a little bit happy, and then it gets to a state of euphoria where. The thought is it's it's never going to be bad and prices will never go down and therefore I'll just get in at any price because who really cares because it's just never, the stock will never go down. And then you kind of you know, go through that cycle. So one of the traps is not understanding that because one of the biggest mistakes you can make as an investor is is buying in a state of euphoria. And Mark, it's kind of like showing up at a at a... Not that I can do this anymore, but it's kind of like showing up at a party at 2 or 3 a.m. at night and, and recognizing you're the last person there when you're buying in a state of euphoria. Everyone else showed up in the afternoon. Uh, at a certain point, there's no buyers left. So if you get yourself caught in that, very quickly, you'll, you can be down 80 to 90% from the highs if you look at some of the great periods of euphoria. And if a few of them are, are you know, think about the late 1990s, the, the tech bubble of the 1990s, which I lived through. And I, I remember uh, where I was working at the time, some of the portfolio managers, it, the, the discussion was this makes absolutely no sense right and but it just kept going some of these tech companies that had just been around for a few days that are, were ipoing and then we all know how that ended very poorly uh the nifty 50 situation in the in the 1970s and that was a period where there were there were several stocks with great brand names that were driven up in price and everyone owned them and that did not end well uh, uh the marijuana stocks in 2016 2017 uh, that was a huge, huge thing in the Canadian market. And I, and I remember, you probably remember, Mark, where, geez, I was doing presentations during that time period. And speaking of schools, I, I remember doing presentations at some schools. And I could see the, the eyes kind of glaze over. And the only questions I got at the end were, yeah, but do you own pot stocks? And everyone seemed to get involved in that. And you had to step back and say, wait a second, these are just flowers being grown somewhere and there's no brands. And that has not ended well. And those stocks are down a lot. Probably the most famous 
period of euphoria was the tulip bubble, 1634 to 1637 in the Netherlands, that people still talk about to this day. Um, on the other hand, with the cycle of emotions, panics, right? Those are when you got to be really careful not to get caught up in a panic. And that's hard to do. The worst mistake, and this can destroy an entire investment career and an entire investment portfolio, is to sell in a panic. Because at, at that point in time, most investors don't think it will ever get better. And that would have been the depression of the 30s, uh, even the late 70s, there's some famous magazine covers, the death of equities, you know, equities are gone forever. 2008, the great financial crisis. I, I keep, uh, maybe I shouldn't, but I do keep a lot of newspapers in, in the basement uh, from that time, Mark. And uh, I, I remember some of the headlines, they're, they're downstairs. U.S. banks are all going under, get out now. And then we had March 2020 with COVID clearly where, where markets uh, were down significantly. So never sell during those panics. Uh, and actually, if, if you want to do well, of course, uh, often it's, it's, it's better to go the other way, right? In terms of putting money to work. And then I'll finish it off, uh, Mark, in terms of the traps, talk about two more. One the, is recessions. I often find a trap is people get caught up in expecting recessions all the time. I've never seen anyone correctly predict when a recession is going to happen. They are relatively rare in history. They do happen. I'm sure one will happen in our future. But be careful with those that seem to constantly predict that they're coming down the road. Because remember where we where we started. That's loss aversion and, and the human kind of anxiousness of always expecting something to go wrong. Again, economies are just too complicated to be able to to think that you can predict global recessions. And finally, Mark, politics. And this is a touchy one, but my goodness, politics, I've seen big mistakes made where uh, some investors have political opinions which are totally fine, totally fair, but never, never, if, if you don't like a prime minister or a president or a party, mix that up with your investing strategy. I've seen huge mistakes made there. You know, someone doesn't like uh, political leaders and they think that leader will do something that will hurt a country and then they sell stocks. It makes no sense. Um, you know, if, if you think about why we own stocks and businesses, regardless of the politician of the day, I'm pretty sure people will keep buying iPhones, will keep using Apple. I'm pretty sure people will keep paying their internet bills, their cable bills, they'll keep paying rent. Uh, so always kind of try and divorce yourself from the politics of the day when it when it comes to investing. You know, Jason, I was, I was talking to a colleague not long ago, and we were talking about you know what what what's really changed investing over time, or what what's been a seismic change in how people invest. And it really acts like we kind of agreed had nothing to do with investing. It was media and access to information. We're bombarded with it, and the last two years have just exacerbated that point. So you know, with that as a, an influence. How do you handle your emotions when investing and the information flow that's just coming at us constantly? I think it's one of the biggest issues of our day is how to handle the attention economy. And there, there's a number of books that have been written about this, certainly recently. We are in, a, in an age of enormous data, which clearly has helped technology companies, but there's just so much data and information out there. And what companies are trying to do is grab your attention, grab my attention, grab everyone's attention. And of, of course, they sell that for, for 
for ads or otherwise they would otherwise they wouldn't be in business so you have to try as much as you can to get away from that i don't think in this era mark will ever be 100 percent uh, sure of getting away from that it's it's impossible but what i try to do is is one when it comes to the news particularly the business news whether on television or, or whether on the internet or, or what have you be really really careful and and frankly what i do is turn it off most of the time there are times where maybe it's a good interview that's on and i'll, I'll watch that and that helps but uh as, as i as i sit here today i mean everything's off and that's what i try to do just keep it off if you have that on all the time if the the, the business news or or the stock quotes you're going to get caught up in wanting to do something you're going to want to trade you're going to feel the need to trade because remember these these business news channels it's it's not a charity they want your attention because they want high ratings it's it's a pretty simple model that we're all aware of and they don't get high ratings by saying it's a Friday and there's not much going on today. And does anyone want to talk about anything? They get your attention by scaring you. They'll, they'll zone in on the worst story of the day and they'll make it like that's the only news out there. Or if uh, there's a part of the market that's doing very well, go back to that hurting instinct that humans have. They'll say, everyone should be in, I'm buying, and just the sky is the limit. And they're, they're, gonna, play, they're gonna play you on that. So you gotta be really, really careful of that and take it with a grain of salt. Always remember the, the news of the day today, we're, we're usually gonna forget a year from now or two years from now, it, it tends to go away, I mean, I'm just going to pick a date. Like, do you, do you remember what you were doing? I don't know, February 5th of 2013. Uh, I guess, unless that was your birthday. I mean, I can't remember. I don't know, but I'm sure there was probably a, a major news story that day. I truly don't know. So just remember that the, the news that seems so important every day often is, is forgotten. I think about the jobs report that's released once a month in the United States. They make that out to be the, Geez, the biggest news story you'd ever want to be involved in. And then I always think, but do you remember what that report was seven months ago? And I don't. Who knows, right? It's just, uh, it doesn't really mean that much other than the trends. Now, the other thing that I, I try to do, watch out for the screens. You don't have to look at stock prices every day. In fact, that's one of the worst things you can do. Remember that a daily stock price, it's just an auction of human emotions. You're just seeing an auction. Think about uh, uh, auctions where people are actually there and it's not electronic and people are screaming and shouting. Well, that's really all it is every day. It can be very, very random. So step away from, from that. Don't, don't try and watch that every day because again, it may lead to, uh, it may lead to some bad behavior. Think about, owning a house i mean you don't call your your broker if you own a house and say what's my house worth today and then you wake up tomorrow morning and call your broker and say hey what's my house worth today has it gone up or down and you don't do that right and isn't it funny that we, we look we look today and probably some of the best assets those who are fortunate to own real estate have are, are their homes or other properties right and it, they probably didn't do much. They probably just kept living in it. So keep, keep thinking about that. And also, Mark, I always think personally myself, when I sometimes can, can get caught up in this, I, I step aside and say, look, you can only control the controllables. And that is so, so important in life and investing. 
I think one of the most frustrating parts of being an investor and, and following the markets that a lot of people get caught up on is that they can do so much work. They can do all the spreadsheets. They, they have all the degrees and they, they've been up all night doing work on, on what businesses should be worth or, or this or that. And then the market goes against them every day. And you have to step inside and say, look, it's short term and you cannot control the markets, right? It's, it's completely outside of your control. So step back and say, I can't control the daily markets, but what can I control? I can, I can control my own emotions. I can control what I think a business is worth. And if the market is giving me an opportunity to buy that business at a really good price or to sell that business at a, at a really good price, and I can control my plan. It's my plan. Everyone should has a different financial plan. That's what, what we can control. You cannot control the prices. And it causes people a lot, of, a lot of nervousness and anxiety, but you have to just accept it. It's a bit of a different profession. I mean, it's, it's different than if you're going to the gym every day, five days, five days a week, seven days a week, and you have a goal in mind and you're working out one hour, two hours a day, I'm pretty certain that... Uh, whatever, but in six months or a year, you're going to be feeling great. You've, you've probably reached your goals if you stuck to it. And that's, that's what people want to see, right? But as opposed to the markets, it can be quite frustrating because markets will do what they do. And then finally, Mark, you know what? I, I, uh, and this is just, just me. Everyone's different. Uh, I'll try and turn that phone off at 7, 7.30 at night. And uh, not always successful, but I try to turn it off at 7, 7.30 at night. And uh, that gives you a lot of freedom. You have to get a good sleep. You have to be ready for the next day. That's one of the most important things we can do. If you've got your phone on and you're about to go to sleep and you see a headline that says futures markets are down by 500 points, guess what? You're not having a good sleep probably. And there's nothing you can do about it. And Finally, it's good to get out, go for a walk, nature, take the headphones out and, and just let your, your brain breathe a little bit. No, it's, it's great advice for beyond investing too. We had a, a podcast not long ago with Dr. Bryn Weingard, who's a, a neuroscientist, and, and she echoed just about all of those same sentiments. So Jason, if someone feels, all right, I've gotten a hold and in touch with sort of the emotional side, and I understand why I think and why I act the way I do when it comes to you know finances and investing how can I use this knowledge then and my own self-awareness to my advantage? Yeah, this is probably the most important question, right? I, I think one, you do step back and say, no one's ever going to be perfect. I will never be perfect. We are human. So you step back and just hope that you understand this. But, but if you have done the work and, and have understood the traps that people can fall into, uh, you're you're much further ahead than than many when it comes to markets, so that's a good thing. So always kind of start there and start there and end there. Uh, so what I tend to do when I'm uh, when I'm in the office, as an example, I'm going up and down the elevator or I'm walking in the underground. Uh, you'd be amazed. You just you start hearing conversations. You're waiting for a coffee. You're waiting to get lunch, and. You can tell when, when the market's starting to get a little down and, you know, people are talking about recessions and, uh, geez, the market's down 5% from the highs. I think it's going to be down worse. I'm, I'm getting worried. And you start looking at headlines. If the headlines are all getting negative, um, that's, that's a clue. 
And then you flip it around, and if people are just, uh, you can't take the smiles off their faces, everything's great, and uh, I'm taking on debt to invest in the markets, and the headlines are all about how stocks can never go down, or, or what have you, then that's a clue. So I, I'm always on, kind of on the lookout for that. But, but really what's most important, Mark, is how you can use this to your advantage is uh, as much as you can be on the other side of, of some of these things, right? Um, if you are a saver and an investor, I've always found it the strangest thing. Prices going down causes people trouble. And you've probably heard this many times, but it's probably the only asset in someone's life where the price going down causes them consternation. And we're going through a big inflation scare now, as everyone knows. We'd love for prices to go down in, in goods and services today. Um, but when stocks go down or other assets, people get, get very nervous. So invert your thinking. Just, just remember, if you're a saver or investor and, and, and the price of stocks are, are going down in the short term, remember that they'll always come back in the long term. That's what history tells us. 10, 15, 20 years, if, if you're in the, the right businesses and the right stocks. So here's your chance to add. And, and this is what we tend to do and what I tend to do is you, you've done the work on these great businesses and you, you have the price that you would like to add to and the market's getting nervous because of something short term, add to it. You know, I mean, some of the best, uh, not that I'm giving advice, of course, but I'm just thinking uh, in, in the past with Apple, which is clearly the, the most valuable stock uh, out there, I can think back three, four, five, six years. It seems like every year, if you go back in history on Apple, there'll be a story that they're not going to produce as many iPhones as people thought, and then the stock will go down. Things like that. That's, a, that's just in the past, that's always been a, a good example of being able to add to a great business because of a, a short-term emotional dislocation. But probably most important, uh, be very mindful of periods of, of euphoria because those you will know. And we just went through one, Mark, frankly, with some of these, let's call them the COVID stocks, like as an example, Peloton. So you'll remember with, with Peloton as an example, uh, COVID hits and the idea is that no one will ever go to a, a gym and everyone's going to ride a bike in, in their, their office. And that stock was driven to massive highs in a state of euphoria, as were others that that uh, got caught up in uh, in kind of the, the, lock, the lockdown type stocks, right, where everyone's going to stay home. And guess what? They came right back down to earth. So be very, very careful when when you see things like that, don't don't get involved in them at the at the high part of euphoria. And of course, remember what we said about the the despondency. Just be on the lookout for that. And again, look at the headlines, what people are saying. When when people are getting really despondent about something, uh, generally that means that a lot of the sellers have already sold, and that that may be, be a really good opportunity. But don't get caught up in that. And of course. Don't interrupt the compounding by selling into that. So those are some of, some of the things that I think about. The subject of advice and you know versus do it yourself is a big one these days. And I think when we think of advice or seeking at the services of an advisor, we think about you know getting educated, well-rounded advice about portfolios. But there's also a benefit there to also having someone act as that you know coach and and providing that guidance around the emotional side. Correct, right? hundred percent. I mean, if, if you think about all, all of the professions out there, whether it's lawyers, whether it's doctors, whether it's therapists, they know how to do things and how not to do things. That's why we go to them. It's similar, Mark, to me. I always think of uh, getting on an airplane and I'm a, I'm a terrible flyer and I know it makes no sense 
to be nervous and but when that turbulence hits no matter what i'm like oh here we go and the hands get a little sweaty and i'm like okay now i can't concentrate on on this book but what what happens that the pilot gets on and in a very calm voice says look seen this before it's it's no problem just just chop the air just relax and we'll be we'll be on our way they don't get on and say, uh, okay, this is not good. <laughs> you know, this turbulence I've never seen before. Uh, it's always something they've seen before. And, and they know there's, there's any flight, you're going to have a little short-term turbulence, but all, you're, you're always going to land, of course, right? And that's what I think about investing. You, you, you start out with, with the basics, the savings, starting early, the compounding, you're in the air, do not expect it to ever be a smooth ride. They never are over the long term. There will be some turbulence, some year, sometimes some flights more turbulence than others, but you're going to land, you're going to land and, and uh, you have someone at the, the cockpit that understands uh, how to land. That's, that's always the way I think about it. Jason, you've quoted a lot of uh, Munger and, and Buffett reading that you've done. Um, I, I know you're a voracious reader. Uh, what else are you suggesting to our listeners, you know, in terms of books or podcasts they might be listening to that touch on some of the things you've discussed with us today? With books, there's a few that I'll, uh, I'll list here. Uh, the first is Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And this is, there's a lot of investment books written every year. To be honest, many of them are are average to below average they kind of tell you what you you already know this is one of the best i've i've read in a long long time and this is actually one of the best investment writers out there so morgan housel psychology and money he gets into many of the things that we've talked about today and he certainly goes into greater depth but he does it in a way that anyone can understand he, he really he makes it very simple and it was actually speaking of podcasts, a very good podcast that he was on with Tim Ferriss, who's one of the best, uh, for my money, podcasters out there. So they did a really good uh, podcast recently. Another great book someone had mentioned to me is The Science of Storytelling by Will Storer. And this book is, I found it fascinating. He gets into the idea that, well, it's not an idea, we know it that as humans, we, we, we're kind of fiction writers in our brain, which is odd to say, but it's kind of true. Like we just kind of sit there, stand there, and we kind of make, make things up. And that's, kind of, that's how, we, how we've gotten along. We have these narratives that, that are in our brain and it gets to, to our ego and what we see outside, what we think people are thinking about us, which is often not true. And uh, so it's all in the science of storytelling so it's a fascinating one in, in terms of how narratives can lead you astray and how what uh you're you sometimes are making things up in your head that that rarely are true you know and it gets down to we we often worry about we're always worried about things and uh the vast majority of the time those things don't come don't come true uh richer wiser happier by william green is one of the best investment books i've read in a long time together with psychology and money this is a relatively new book and this author, William Green, has spent a great amount of his career interviewing some of the best investors of all, of all time who, who we all know, uh, whether it was Munger, whether it was Sir John Templeton, and, and others who I hadn't even heard of, to be honest with you. And 
he takes it very deep in terms of what it's like to manage money and have a portfolio and, and have your savings invested over the long term and, and how sometimes you do have to go through some rough patches and how some of these investors dealt with that. So that's a great book. And a couple of other classics, Markets, Mobs, and Mayhem by Robert Menchel, if I'm getting that last name correct. As the title suggests, you can, you can guess what that's about, all the history of the emotions of the market and, and how that came to be in certain episodes in history. And a really short book by John Kenneth Galbraith, A Short History of Financial Euphoria. That, that's a good one as well. And Mark, you remember, we used to go to uh, Omaha. Remember those, uh, those meetings where we would go to the uh, Berkshire meetings with Warren Buffett and Charlie Phenomenal. Yeah, Isn't that great? Sure. Amazing. And, and they're still going on, which is fantastic. And one thing that I would recommend for those who are interested, I just did this again in November and December of last year, read all of the Berkshire Hathaway letters that Warren Buffett has written in the past. And, you know, you have to want to do that. <laughs> it, it could take a while. But I found it very interesting. It, and this goes back to the, uh, the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, of course, and up to the present. And this is... Uh, probably the well, probably the greatest investor of, of all time who we're still lucky enough to be able to listen to and, and see and, and talk about seeing it all. Read his letters, and he, as well, no, wonderful investment writer, and he puts puts investing in markets and uh, just being a human in very very personal terms and such humble terms, and that can help you because you, you'll learn about inflation periods, you'll learn about uh, what happens during during wars in the markets. You'll learn about um, Buffett, talk about going through pain. I, I remember in the late 90s when it was all about technology stocks and, and Berkshire did not own them. I'll never forget. I mean, the headlines were this poor Warren Buffett. Isn't this a shame? He's, he's totally missed the boat and oh, well, that career's over. We'll see him later. And, and uh, you, you see how that turned out. So you, you can read his thoughts during that period. And then his partner, Charlie Munger, uh, one of the speeches that's often quoted, and this is a, this is not a, not something you want to read if you're gonna, you're going to be distracted. You might have to read it a few times, but this is a good one: the psychology of human misjudgment. And he, one of the areas where he's been he's had a fascination is is how we can do things that make no sense as humans, and how that leads to mistakes in investing. So that's a good one. And then finally, Mark, one of the greatest investors in in Canada, Bruce Flat the CEO of Brookfield Asset Management. Read, read his letter. So he'll, he'll write a short letter every quarter and then, of course, uh, in his annual reports. And he'll give you a really good idea of what's going on in the world and how he looks at businesses and, and valuing them and, and how to not interrupt the compounding of great businesses. So some of those things, I, and you know, I keep going back to them to this day. It's, there's no shame in reading a book five times, 10 times. If it's a great book, just keep rereading it and you'll, you'll find things that you may have missed the first time. For what it's worth, both my kids, uh, early university and high school age, I had them both read The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. For parents, they're looking for a great read for young adults. It, it's fantastic. Jason, we've unpacked a lot here and it's such an important subject beyond the technical aspects of investing. As we've channeled some classic rock, I was thinking of a, a great song by uh, Elvis Presley, which was I Forgot to Remember to Forget. 
And, uh, you know, I think when we were talking about advice, that sums up uh, why we all believe, you and I in particular, that, that the best thing someone can start with when it comes to their financial affairs is work with an advisor, a qualified professional, keep them on track and help them remember and, and think about what's important when it comes to finances. But I uh, want to thank you for your time and your insights today, and we'll look forward to having you back on the same subject soon. Thanks so much, Mark. This has uh, been a great conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. It's been another edition of On The Money. We look forward to talking with you soon. You've been listening to another edition of On The Money with Dynamic Funds. For more information on Dynamic and our complete fund lineup, contact your financial advisor or visit our website at dynamic.ca. This audio has been prepared by 1832 Asset Management LP and is provided for information purposes only. Views expressed regarding a particular investment, economy, industry, or market sector should not be considered an indication of trading intent of any of the mutual funds managed by 1832 Asset Management LP. These views are not to be relied upon as investment advice, nor should they be considered a recommendation to buy or sell. These views are subject to change at any time based upon markets and other conditions, and we disclaim any responsibility to update such views. To the extent this audio contains information or data obtained from third-party sources, it is believed to be accurate and reliable as of the date of publication. But 1832 Asset Management LP does not guarantee its accuracy or reliability. Nothing in this document is or should be relied upon as a promise or representation as to the future. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compound total returns, including changes in unit values. And reinvestment of all distributions does not take into account sales, redemption, or option changes, or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.